You're listening to Supermanager, the podcast with a diverse panel of experts discussing what goes on in the office. And your host, Samantha Nays with CN Video, your business's video team on call. We had a conversation last month, I think, where we were talking about reducing stress, like the amount that you care about your job being a factor in how stressed out you are. Right. And Joel, it was interesting because you said you didn't know if you had anything to contribute to that conversation, but then you brought up a really interesting point. You said that oftentimes if you're feeling overly stressed out at work, it may not just be because you really care about doing things right, it might be that you don't have a good work-life balance. Right, yeah. And that brought up the question, okay, that sounds like great advice and it makes perfect sense, but what do we do to make those things balance? So this week we're going to be talking about work-life balance and I have with me my completely balanced super friends. Joel Emery with Atomic Revenue and Ignite Strategies. I serve as a sales systems architect for small and mid-sized businesses. I'm Kristen Edens at kristenedens.com and I'm a content writer and content specialist for business. And I'm Mary Kutheis with MCK Coaching. I'm an executive coach for business owners and leaders in organizations. I'm Teresa Phelps. I'm a labor and employment attorney working for Rosenblum Goldenhurst. And I am Samantha Nays with CN Video. We do corporate video production. Well, I have a different view on work-life balance in terms of what it means. Okay. Very often people think that it's an evenness, that I'm spending mm -hmm. as much time at work as I am at home and that kind of thing. And that's impossible to achieve. Right. Yeah. The way I like to look at it is it's more balance like a surfer has. So they're balanced at their core. And so whatever comes at them, they're able to stay on the board because they're prepared. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. If our brains and our bodies are worked on so that we are centered at our core and we're focused and we're prepared, then whatever comes at us, we're able to handle more effectively. So crazy times at work where you're spending more time there, you can right. more easily handle it. Mm -hmm. or problems at home, you can more easily weather it because what's inside is ready. I have a good thing to add to that. And on balance, how about boundaries? You have to be able to know where to make personal boundaries, professional boundaries, family boundaries, and get all those in. Because if you've got them all bombarding you like little spearheads all the time, right. you can only deflect so many. And then that just affects everything. And so it's important to establish those boundaries. So Am I going to work these hours? When am I going to turn off my phone mm -hmm. so that family, which yes. is a very important thing. And what hours am I going to be strictly available to family, to friends even, and even to business? And then even just time for ourselves. Yes. And I, that's really important, the phone thing, because phones are everywhere now. Mm -hmm. And our clients just think that we can be available at the drop of a hat, 10 o'clock at night. So does you know. our family. Yeah, and our family too. And it's tempting to not set those boundaries because, you know, you want to make people happy. And mm -hmm. so then you're answering emails, you're answering calls, and it's just mixing all the time. Like you're not really having a dedicated time for this or for that. I found that that is difficult, but I've been doing that lately. I think it's a little bit better because it does get to the point where you're like, I just feel overwhelmed. You end up doing neither one well yeah. is mm -hmm. what happens. If you're trying to work and do family right. and maybe something else at the same time, then the end result is nobody gets what they yep. want. Gets done. I've actually been in a situation before where I am, for whatever reason, up late 
and I just want to shoot someone an email so they'll see it in the morning right. when they come in or leave a voice message or something and they actually respond yes. or they answer. And then I feel really bad because I'm like, <laughs> I didn't mean to sure. bother you on Sunday night at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> Yeah. but you never know when people are going to answer or when they're going right. to save it. And I had people contacting me. I would try to be kind of polite about it. I'd get a phone call and it'd be a Saturday afternoon and I'd answer the phone because it forwards to my cell phone. Mm-hmm. It's for emergencies. And I would say, oh, I'm at the store right now. Is there something that you needed right now? And they'll just continue on, continue on. So I have stopped answering my phone on the weekends. I'll let it go to voicemail. And then I'll check the voicemail. And if it's somebody saying, hey, it's an emergency, I need to talk to you, then I'll call them back. Right. One of my partners actually puts his cell phone in a drawer when he gets home and leaves it in there. Closes the drawer, leaves it there. So it's a separate work phone from yeah. home? Yep. And it's, it's a, like, it's a, that's a great idea. It's a great plan because that old saying, we teach what we allow. Yes. So if we answer the question immediately because we want to get it off of our plate, what the other person is thinking is, oh, every time I reach out, they answer right, right away. Yep. And so we just yeah. have to set your boundaries, even if it makes it seem a little odd to you at first. It's, do you want to keep doing this forever? Right. Then don't do it right now. I actually had to tell someone because he would call on weekends and I would answer the phone. And finally, he had called just to talk about something coming up. And I said, listen, our regular work hours are Monday through Friday from 8 to 5. You know, I answer my cell phone in case of an emergencies, but is this something we can talk about during the work week? And then he said, oh, okay, I didn't realize. And of course he didn't because I'd been answering my phone. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. He, he had no way of knowing. But then we still have that habit of, it's business. I could answer. And so that's where the boundaries Get it taken come care of. in. Yeah. You kind of think, well, if I do it now, I won't have to do it on Monday. Exactly. But <laughs> exactly. That's a slippery slope. It, yes, it is. One of, the, one of the ways I've framed this with people that I've worked with and have worked for me is I want everybody that I work with to keep three things in balance, that being their work, their family, and some form of spiritual component. And to Mary's point, it doesn't mean equal time between each. It's what that respective need is that they have. But I, th- I think it's important to keep those in mind more as the three of those than just two clear ones. Because just any one of those falling too far short can make kind of like the, the stool yes. tip over. And by spiritual, I don't mean church. It might be painting. It might be yoga on top of a mountain. Free it might time, be church. It's something that satisfies that some sort of internal meditative need that can be in so many, many, many different ways. Now, where, what's interesting is where I find that to be a, the biggest challenge is with people who fall in the category of professional artists, because frequently mm. those three things all start really overlapping and intersecting. You know, maybe whether they're a painter or a performer, their creative outlet, what they do for that spiritual component is the same as what they're doing for work. Then frequently at times it's so all-consuming to do that work part that then the children and the spouse get involved in it too, you know, as part of selling or, you know, maybe it's going to craft fairs or performances or whatever the case may be. I consider that a good thing. Is that a bad thing or is that okay? There's no separation at some point too. So there's good to it, but when it comes time to retire and step back, at that point, there's no separation from any of these things. If the person steps back into retirement, there's no... But I think for the present time, for the current time, and, and feel free to disagree with me, I actually feel like you can feel very much in balance if everything does flow together. If your life and your work, uh, one of the things that I do, and maybe, and maybe this is what makes me a basket case, and maybe I'm seeing it all wrong, <laughs> but I feel like if I can incorporate my personal life with my life at work, it feels more in balance. Is it better to keep them separate, or is it better if you can get them to work together? Well, I think one of the keys Or am here, I kidding myself, and I have no balance? I think one of the keys <laughs> is you have to do what works for you. 
Just because something works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it has to work for you. I think the awareness of, is my brain in the right place? Am I comfortable or do I feel stressed when I'm dealing with home stuff and I'm thinking about work or do I feel guilty when I'm dealing with work stuff and I'm thinking about home? Then you need to fix something. But if yours is working for you the way it's working, I don't think there's a reason to change it. I don't know that it is. How do you know if you have a good work-life balance? Are you miserable? No, I wouldn't well, say that. Well, there you go. It's probably working. Well, but there's got to be something in between life is good and I'm miserable. You know, warning signs that maybe you're slipping on that slope or that you need some improvement or something. My tip came from my granddaughter about a year and a half ago, and she comes up to me and she goes, Grandma, when can we play? It was Sunday. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I just, I don't know. She goes, but you're always working on your right. computer. And I said, I'll play with you, I'll play with you. And she goes, but Grandma, I want to play now. I've been waiting, and then I realized, okay, Sunday. It's Sunday. I've been doing this, like she said, right. all the time. Okay, it kind of is right. playtime at that point. It is playtime, and so that was my key. That maybe I am doing too much and not giving the family enough. So it took my granddaughter to tell me, but I want to play. You know what's funny is it's she's not a granddaughter, but Millie, my dog, mm-hmm. is very in tune with things like that. And you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I swear to you. If it's late at night and I'm working, she will actually trick me into stop working. She'll start barking at me, and she lets me know that she needs something. And I'm like, what is it? What is it? She'll pretend like she needs to go outside. She'll run to the door. Oh, it's an emergency. It's an emergency. And when I get up to let her out, she hops into bed and looks at me. <laughs> oh, wow. See, and she's yeah, like, I Mom, that... it's bedtime. You need yes. to go to bed. And if I'm really <laughs> stressing about something, she'll start barking. If I ignore her for X amount of time because I'm just... It's a weekend, I'm working too long, she will get my attention and she won't stop. Mm-hmm. And I'll start a little bit frustrated, I'll say, come on, I'm working now. And I'll find myself getting more and more frustrated. I don't know if you did this with your granddaughter, but it'd be like, you really, you just gotta wait a little bit longer. Just let me finish what I'm doing, just let me. And then you realize they're not gonna wait and you go, okay, and then you let go and, my and key, go do something else. Yeah, my key was realizing she recognizes something I don't. Right. And my cats do the same thing, <laughs> so I'm, I'm with you there. A long time ago, our, our son is 20 now, so my office is in my home, and when he was young, one of the things that I learned early on from someone else was that if he happened to be around when I was working, if he came in and wanted to do something, we did it. I would say, yeah, let's play for a half an hour and then mom needs to go back to work. So he came first and then the work came after that. And he always knew that and it was upfront that this wasn't gonna be all afternoon because it was a work time. Now, if it was Saturday or Sunday, that's a different story. (laughs) And that's good for you too. Yeah. Because all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> and, and, and the guilt. And there, Sam and Chris. Because it feels guilty to from, say, from not that. right now, not right now. Even if, it's, yeah. even if it's just a gnat back in your brain, it feels bad to push someone off who's asking for your love and attention. Exactly. But we need playtime, too. I, I don't think it's a but. I think that's an and. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, so also from a managerial perspective, I think one of the challenges that we have is identifying when those around us need help and support in this. So paying attention to whether it's colleagues, people that we are subordinate to, or people who are subordinate to us, when they're out of balance and how we can help help them get back to that. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people think that if they're working harder and they're working longer, they're more productive. And I have found that actually working less and taking more breaks, you can get more done and you can be more productive. 
So I guess a warning sign would be if somebody really seems to be spinning and spinning and spinning and the quality of their work isn't good or they're just not getting things the, done, maybe. The two main indicators I've noticed is one, the person suddenly starts getting more cranky, like snapping at you or, or things like that in the course of conversation. And it's the change that that suddenly happens, that something's shifted. And that could balance. be a work-life balance or an issue in one or the other that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, some, somewhere something's out of balance and right. needs to be dealt with. Right. And the other is a sudden decrease in quality of performance performance. Those are kind of the two significant ones. But at that point, I mean, a really good frank conversation needs to be had about what's driving that. And I was just going to say, and how do you deal with that? I guess a conversation, it's not like you can go tell someone to go do a hobby or... Right. Well, I think one of the keys is the leader is used to working a lot. The stakes are very high. Right. And they may work tons and work on weekends. And when the people are watching that, they may think, they need to do that too. If if nothing is said, they might think that they have to match what their leader is doing. And that's a bad precedent to set. So even if the leader wants to continue to do that, they need to make very clear this is not expected of all of you. Right. And going back to what Sam said, how do you bring that up to somebody? Because you can't just walk in and be like, hey, I think your work-life balance is out of whack. You need to go do something. (laughs) Find a hobby. Uh, You know, from the legal perspective, that's not going to fly. So you really have to be delicate in your approach. I think a conversation is a good idea. And that goes to how close you are with your employees and how open you are. And yeah, see, that's, a, that's tricky, that's to though, a lot too. Of, a long-term, it's a long-term rapport building process. Yes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. being it's both inherent and learned and intentional and right. accident. it has to do with somebody's personality. It's a mix of those things. All right. So I have three questions to consider. One is, how do you recognize there's a problem and improve your work-life balance? Number two is, How do you recognize it in an employee and help them get their work life in balance? And then the third one is, are there things that we can do before it becomes a problem? Like you said, letting people know you don't have to work on weekends, but what can we do? What can we add to a company culture that just subconsciously encourages that good work-life balance without it becoming something that you have to talk about? I think one of the keys is any organization has to have their set of core values. They have to know what the core values are so that people know whether it's the right fit for them. Because when you are behaving and aligning with whatever those are, then you have a similar mindset going in. But if you go in and you say family is one of the core values and yet you expect everybody to work on the weekends, (laughs) then clearly you're saying something that isn't aligning with the truth. One of the things that I do that I think helps, nothing measurable, But I always tell people first day, right off the bat, if there's something that you need to take care of, take care of it. I had somebody who came out to do an internship that had to rent an apartment. They were from another city. It's not uncommon. And they were having difficulties getting settled into their apartment. There were some issues with some of the appliances and water got shut off and just some things going on. And he was really going crazy trying to get these things taken care of in between. And I finally just had a conversation with him and I said, listen, if the water company can come out, then go, go deal with it. Just let me know you need to go. Don't worry about them calling or texting you while you're at the office if you've got something you need to take care of. And I say the same thing with medical issues. If you need to go to a doctor, don't worry about scheduling it after hours or on weekends. Just schedule it when you need to schedule it, get it done and make up the time or get your work done some other way. And I think that helps, but it's not everything that you should be doing, but I think it helps a little bit. I think, again, having a practice of self-care 
that's promoted in the organization. I mean, there can be wellness programs, there might be a nap room or a meditation room or all, all the kinds of things. And, the cry and room. It, 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 yeah, I think there is one of those at FedEx. We, they, have a, they have a cry room. <laughs> we had that uh, but because that. people are so mean to them, not the people, not their bosses. No, but, I know. Yeah, customers. So I think all those things send the message or giving people a stipend for a little bit of time off to do a sabbatical. Some places do that, or uh, giving discounts for joining a gym. I mean, there can be all sorts of things that they can do to set the message that we do value the time that you spend working on yourself. I know some companies, uh, one of my clients got credit union, they actually give their employees time off to do community outreach work. Love that. A lot of, especially lending institutions, banks tend to do that because it does align with the marketing initiatives as well, to be honest. Right. There are people being out and about in the community, raises their profile in the community, it therefore helps them generate Well, it's just a win-win-win. Everybody feels yeah, better. Ab absolutely. And a lot of them take that really far and even measure the metrics associated with it. Uh, and then what do you do with somebody who just doesn't have a life? I think if the leader has a good relationship with their direct report, one of the things that shouldn't be a six-month performance review, it ought right. to be a meeting that you have, maybe once a week or once every two weeks where you just where you go into their office and you sit down and go, how are you? How are things going? Yeah. And just ask that question and leave it open for them to tell you what's going on. And if they know that you're a non-judgmental person and a good listener, you yeah. will get the truth out of them. If you're not a non-judgmental person and a good listener, then you need to learn to be one because right. you're a manager. Right. And I think that's a really good point because I think the annual or semi-annual reviews have kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. And it's really more an ongoing day-to-day -day sort of thing. And we've talked in other podcasts about just asking periodically, how are you? Not just work-related. It can be work-related. It can be home-related. But just how are you? And that's a very good point. That's a good way to determine if there is a problem and maybe encourage people to... Listening and observing is also important. Now, I'm self-employed, but I do outsource, and I like getting to know the people. So, hey, how are you? What's going on? By the way, I need this done. But also, what do you do in your free time? What are you going to do this weekend? And then they'll give you, oh, I'm going to go hiking, or I'm going to go to the blues game or something. And so you can pick up on those things and listen to them. So if you have a large company, it's a little harder to do, but... Well, the department, everybody's, everybody's Everybody got a manager their, or a supervisor. Yeah, but yeah. just taking that time, whether you're self-employed or employed elsewhere in a big company, just listening and observing because people will get to know each other. And you can hear in their voice if something's off or if they're edgy. Or then what? So you talk to an employee and you say, <laughs> so what are you doing this weekend? And they go, uh, nothing. Nothing. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If it's yeah, over and over itself. again. If you ask me, I'd say I'd be like very happy if that was the case. If yeah. I said nothing, that'd be thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, mean, I mean, that might be their intentional choice. That might right. be what they want to do. So that's not necessarily inherently a bad thing. But I mean, if you talk with this person because you feel they're overly stressed and yeah. their performances. Say, is that a good thing? I would just ask them. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Nothing. Is that a good thing? Yes, absolutely. I love my. I love decompressing. I like to sit at home and read by the fire. Yeah, I like to great. watch TV with my dog on my lap. Exactly. It, so it's hard when we have our own perspective not to assume that that person's perspective as well because it seems so natural, but it could be very different for well, them. And frequently, when somebody says nothing, it means nothing out of the ordinary. Sure. So it yeah. might be. Well, I'm actually getting up at 7 a.m., making breakfast for the kids, taking them to a soccer game, right. then gymnastics, then dance, and then going grocery shopping <laughs> while one of them's there, and then driving here and doing that, and then hoping to hit the couch by 10.30 to watch SNL. Well, I think, I think the point, though, was... 
how you help if you feel that there's a problem yeah. Yeah. Okay. and you try asking them how are you and you don't get much of a response. Obviously, there's got to be a cutoff. You talked about boundaries. Mm -hmm. Supervisor cannot take responsibility for making sure that someone's personal life is going well. Right. Well, but true. if it's affecting their work life, then what do you do? You know, I have a question. This is a legal question. Sure. Yeah. Way back in the day when I was in corporate, my boyfriend and I at the time were victims of a violent crime. We were mugged and he was shot. Oh. And he's, he lived. When I went back to work, my boss suggested that I go to EAP. She mm -hmm. said, you may think you're okay, mm -hmm. but I strongly suggest that you go to EAP for a little bit and just right. talk about it. Yep. it. Would that be okay now? Yeah, it's, okay. It, and that's okay because you're not forcing them to do it. You're not conditioning anything. You know, It may be taken as an implied, I'm telling you, you have to go by the employee, but there's no legal problem with that. I think okay. that that's okay. That's a well, and, and she was a very caring person. So having that background sure. made me think that she was doing it in concern for me. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay to have these open conversations and, and make suggestions like that if you think that an employee is dealing with something in their personal life that they really just need to work through. But there is a point where you can't force them to do anything unless it is affecting their work and it's affecting the company and you make a decision that you just need to tell let, them it's Let them know they're having performance issues. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's okay to have those conversations with them. I think good managers do have those conversations. And I think you have to approach it from a coaching perspective. Yeah. I mean, one, yeah. every individual yeah. is different and you're trying to coach mm -hmm. them to a attain whatever it is mm -hmm. that they need to attain. Mm -hmm. So, but if you walk into it with preconceived notions about what everybody's structure needs sure. to be and trying to dictate and structure that for people, and that obviously does, regardless of law, <laughs> just structurally right. doesn't right. work. But one thing, I look back on this somewhere around 2004, so before I knew better. We had, <laughs> had an employee who, I mean, her balance was very out of alignment. I mean, she was up in the 78 hours a week yeah. range and getting to the office at 8 a.m. and leaving at 9 p.m. most days sort of structure, so not spending any time with spouse and child. And for uh, her annual review, we actually, as part of her compensation, sent her family on a Disney cruise. Uh, we just said, you know what, we want you to unplug. So we are actually doing this. We, in fact, bought the tickets. I mean, this is when you're going. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was to that extent. Was uh, there any pushback from her? No. But, I mean, <laughs> but, but it was also intentional. Yeah. And, I mean, it worked for this specific person. And I still think that was a good initiative. But the problem was we didn't, at that time, really make any structural changes that would make that an ongoing gotcha. impact upon her life. So I think it was a good thing, and I think it was well-intentioned and it had about three weeks of impact. But because there were no concerted efforts on the part of the leadership in the company, I will recuse myself in terms of I was too young to know better and uh, just <laughs> absolve myself there. And then on that note, can anybody tell me a horror story about someone's work life being out of balance? Come on guys, you know I'm gonna ask for a horror story. How many times have we been through this? Well, I will say that my mother died in September, and so I was her caregiver the last several years. And when oh, that came, yes, and I was out of town attending a conference when the word came, and so it just threw everything out of whack. And so as a caregiver, it's a very rough experience to balance everything yeah. and to keep work going and to keep family going and to keep myself going. So her death was rather sudden and then all of a sudden I'm thrown into the aftermath of a parent's death and it is a full-time job to do that. And right. so I'm taking care of that on top of all those other things and I started to crumble. Yeah. So it took me three months to get back to that. 
and there were evenings I'd just finish up whatever I was doing and then just sit on the floor with my cats and cry. And I'm thinking, oh, I need to get through this. So you have to recognize you're crumbling. You have to take the steps and then work towards a goal. Thanks for listening to Supermanager by CN Video Productions. Give us a call at 314-843-3663. That's 314-VIDEO-ME. Or visit our website at cn-video.com for additional episodes, information, or to discuss video services. 